Hello everyone, this is Charlie from the Racketeer Collection. Over the last three weeks, you have heard broadcasts from another world, another reality. I'm excited to announce that a new show will be premiering at the beginning of March, The Tales of Ephemera, a show about stories from another world. The host of Tales of Ephemera has reminded me multiple times that the stories will be from all worlds and not just from Ephemera. His note even says, Love, Simon. Huh. I would also like to announce another show all about writing. While I would like to talk more about writing on the Raconteur Collection, I don't want to bore Jack with talk of the craft, discussions of short stories, and practices that I have found valuable. This show will be called Chapters. I am very much inspired by another fantastic podcast called, fittingly, Tales of the Fantastic. They have motivated me to put my voice out into that wide ocean. My view for chapters also involves you, the listener, any writer, creator. I would love to hear feedback, book suggestions, and questions about writing. In my own way, I want to create a virtual book club and a peer group that can share and speak about the things we love. The Raconteur Collection will continue as normal and be the main star that the tales of ephemera and chapters rotate around. I've not come up with a release schedule following the premieres, but follow the Raconteur Collection on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for updates. If you love what we do, check out Patreon at RaconteurCollection.com. I'll talk to you soon. Yes, I'll, yes, we are ready to record the podcast. <laughs> Take it away, Maestro. <laughs> it's, it kind of sounds like uh, the thing from the Tower of Latria. Except that doesn't, they don't do that. Yeah. Um, hello, everybody. We're looking outside right now. You see little flurries of snow. You know what that reminded me of? Tabletop gaming. Yeah, that's right, everybody. You're listening to the Rack and Tour Collection. Chapter 2, Episode 7. I'm a little unsure. So, yeah, it's 7. So, Episode 17 as well. You know, But Chapter 2, Episode 7 is really the proper title. And anybody who calls it Episode 17 is wrong. I'm joined. Not, not a joke. Oh, well, I'm joined. I'm Charlie, by the way. 
of the Racketeer Collection, and I'm joined by Jack. <laughs> Hello, yes, hi. He's a little delayed. He's coming in from the cold north. Jack, how is it up there? <laughs> well, I am. You're doing that thing like uh, <laughs> newscasters do, where they like they're like holding the mic and they listen, and you can tell they're delayed, and they're like nodding. Why, oh, yes, here, uh, here we're uh, in the middle of the snow. <laughs> if you look back from behind me, we have a huge landslide happening behind us as the snow is dragging. Da- yeah, <laughs> no, it, it actually has been super cold. It has been really like not a lot of snow, a lot of flurries, and just real icy. Yeah. But supposedly we're supposed to get a foot of snow yeah. this weekend. It's exciting, and I'm just like, it's exciting. It is exciting. But, uh, it sucks. Yeah. Everyone, as always, thank you for stopping by and opening the door to the warm hearth of the Raconteur Collection. Our music is <laughs> our music is provided by Tyler Cunningham. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Maybe soon you might be able to find us on YouTube as well. But honestly, those are just oh. you know uploads of the podcasts. Yeah. Yes, nothing yet. There's nothing yet, so don't go looking. Maybe there will be by the time this yeah. goes up. Nothing exclusive yet, no. or like, yeah, you know, we're just gonna be we're gonna be uploading the episodes to YouTube. So, I mean, if you, you know, have YouTube Premium or you're just on YouTube more than like Spotify or something, it's gonna be for you there. Yeah. So, we here, the Raconteur Collection, and by we I mean me, are working on some fun and exciting extras that are coming out at the beginning of March, as you heard in the intro. So I hope that you tune into those. Those will be both the uh, Tales of Ephemera and Chapters. Tales of Ephemera being a show that is brought to us from in between dimensions and Chapters being my personal writing show. We'll both be premiering on the same feed as the Raconteur Collection and won't take the place of the Raconteur Collection. So nope, look forward to those because those will be great. Follow us on Spotify. Yeah, I've heard I've, Give I've, us some money on Patreon. I've heard a few test test runs and they sound good can you imagine people getting test runs they sound good so upset with us on patreon that they like start charging us money they're like no we you you need to pay us ten dollars because to do what oh no to hear listen to the show it's like reverse patreon oh yeah oh yes oh yeah horrible actually but as you heard at the top of the show today we are talking about tabletop gaming uh, subject that is very close to my heart and something that I felt like I had to convince Jack a little bit to do an episode topic over, but I wouldn't do it. And it's been recommended well, to us by not one convince, not Tyler on Instagram. Tyler, this one's for you. And actually all the people who I usually play uh-huh. uh, D&D with. So Michael, one of our patrons. Yeah, and also we have Lily, who's been on the show. Henry, our younger brother. That's it. That's all the people I play DD with. And also Jack Henry has also told us to Yeah, Jack do Henry episode. has. But you know, this is just tabletop, so <laughs> I, I apologize if we seem a bit uh off today. We're talking over each other a bit more. It's it's been a bit since we last recorded, but we're we're getting into the groove. So I worry. feel like you're talking over me more than I'm talking over you. So No, I start talking. It is one of those things that I just I need to get back into the swing the, of uh, it. you know. The, the swing of like, okay, Charlie's not done talking. He's just pausing for like a weirdly... <laughs> I uh, I realized when I was recording 
the first episode of chapters last night that I would just pause in the middle of a lot of my sentences and I would go back <laughs> in and like cut them down because I would be like, and then we're going to go ahead and talk about a short story called, and I'm like, why am I doing that? <laughs> but I think I'm just giving myself time to think, so, you know? Okay. Yeah. It's not just me then. Okay. <laughs> Cause your brain's like, Oh, you, you we're going to pause and think about what we're going to say. For the beginning of tabletop, we're going to dial the clock back to when we first played Dungeons and Dragons, of course, with our dad, because our dad was great and, uh, introduced Dungeons and Dragons to us. And I believe God, it must have been, he's not dead, Charlie. Did I make it sound like he was dead? Yeah. You're like, and when our dad was, you know, cause our dad was great. Oh, he is. He's still he is alive. great. He's not. Yeah, he is still alive. <laughs> but uh, I believe we started. So you know, maybe to introduce tabletop gaming, any game that is played with like I don't know some rule books and dice and pen and paper. That's what we're going to be talking about. Anything and everything, and mainly the ones, yeah, possibly some figurines. Uh, mainly the ones know. I've played, which I granted I haven't played that many. But uh, we're going to start with. Dungeons and Dragons, the I believe it was advanced Dungeons and Dragons, so like a really old version of it. Oh yeah, Jack. Let me. What do you remember? Let me see if I can find like cover arts of Dungeons and Dragons. The one of them had like a demon on it, like a demon, and then there was one that had like a, a the de- jewel eyes was with the with the yeah. ruby eyes. Yep, yep. And the guy was like trying to get one of them off. What do you remember about advanced Dungeons and Dragons? Like what? What is your first? So when I, you first remember even hearing about it. What is so your first, I remember the first time I heard Dungeons <laughs> Dragons? Oh my god. That is to say how do you no. Okay, so when I think of Dungeons and Dragons, when I try to like go way back to my first like my first memories of it, it's just like opening up those guidebooks that we had and seeing the artwork all the writing, you know, the, all the numbers for the dice rolls, the classes, the artwork for like the different weapons and that kind of stuff, and the tables, you know, just like seeing all of this, you know, information. And then, you know, dad basically being like, hey, you want to play? And I'm like, you know, it's like, where, it's like, where do you begin? And so I just, I just, I don't, I don't remember specifics, but I always remember like D&D being one of those things that like you sit down and like, and this is where like, your imagination, you know, is in a way like put to the test with some help, obviously from D and D is like, you know, the, the framework of whatever adventure you're going to go on. And so I remember making like tons of like half orc characters. Cause those are my favorite race to be for whatever reason. Um, made a few halfling characters, uh, maybe like one or two humans, never any elf characters. I wasn't really an elf guy. Um, I like to go in, brute strength that sort of stuff so it was just a really the memories i have of it are fond even though i don't have many like specific memories Mm. yeah i uh i mean i do kind of have some specific memories i had a for Dungeons and dragons uh specifically i had a halfling rogue that used a repeating crossbow that was like uh you know used over multiple adventures and I remember he died because he got torn apart by dire wolves because, you know, like a rogue can't really stand up in a direct fight. And I remember that being really tragic that he died. Like, <laughs> so, 
Yeah. I feel like I feel like I, my Hobbit died kind of the same way. Like I died because I got knocked unconscious and eaten alive. Okay, so maybe I'm thinking of your character then. I don't and know. I think that was like the last time, <laughs> one of the last big times we played when we were younger. Yeah. yeah, when we were younger, I I really enjoyed it. I mean, you know, coming from the background of like fantasy and movies like you know Willow and Lord of the Rings, like I I was always kind of into it, especially because you know I think I have just a good gift for picturing these things in my head. And I mean, I we had this old like wood stained oh, yeah. map that we used to like play on that we were like, there's one adventure where we are sailing a ship down the coast. Really the only thing that sticks out from that one is I, and one of the fights we had with some pirates, we cut a guy across the stomach and his like entrails spilled out as <laughs> brutally described <laughs> by our dad. <laughs> it's very Conan. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mentioned it and the first episode of chapters, check that out. But uh, yeah, our dad used to, do a lot of like conan inspired stories or maybe they just were ripped straight from conan but yeah a lot of like you know we have to travel here and steal this jewel or defeat the evil sorcerer or you know and that was like the beginnings of dungeon dragons for me and then i think Mm -hmm. like moving forward i'll give you a chance to see if you have anything else to add here but moving forward i think it kind of changed as i took that basic rule set and kind of just morphed it to what I wanted to do. So do you have anything to add to like this kind of early child? I mean, I guess it's important to note so, that. So sorry, go ahead. Go I ahead. was going to say like, it's important to note that like, I do specifically remember like our grandparents and I'm sure they didn't really care, but they're being like, Oh, dungeon and dragons, man, you guys are going to summon the devil. You know what I mean? It's just, it's so funny to think yeah, about that, it. Cause that, it's like, Oh yeah. Dungeon Dragons were it, it was workers. kind of around that weird time like there was a I'm sure it's a lot less prominent now but there's a time definitely when like stuff like Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter was kind of looked at as being a little you know not okay because it was like you're delving into magic right and that's like not okay you know <laughs> yeah. but I the last thing I wanted to add was the versions of D&D that we had is we had the Dungeons and Dragons third mm. edition and that's the one that's like the kind of almost a copper or bronze yeah. looking book with like the sword on yeah. it, you know? And then we had also the blue Dungeon Master's Guide. That yeah. one looked real cool. And then we also had the Player's Handbook mm -hmm. from 1978. <laughs> that's awesome. That's the one that had that's the one that had the gym on it. And then also the Dungeon Master's Guide to that same yeah. set. I was believe. that just advanced D&D? Which was that was 1979. Um I don't. I think that's when advanced D and D started coming out. I, yeah, I want to say it's advanced. God, I wish we still had those. Those would be awesome to still yeah. have. They're they've been ripped apart, torn yeah. apart, cut up. I, I specifically remember our brother Henry cutting pictures of stuff out of uh, the third. God, edition. that's that's really tragic so. to think about. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. It is so. Moving on, and I think the main reason why I wanted to talk about this topic is because it was really inspiring for me, because at some point, I basically just started to homebrew things. I remember, and Jack, I don't know if you remember this, but 
I designed a game that was kind of like Dungeons and Dragons where, and I believe all of like the design inspirations were taken from Digimon. There's like an angel guy that has like a cool mask. And I used to like, Oh, I cannot remember. Yeah. But like, I remember designing out maps and like drawings and like, Oh, Hey, this is what you get in this treasure chest. And, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and kind of, like, leveling up. And then that kind of turned into, I played a lot with, like, Henry and some of his friends. But uh, that turned a lot into me kind of just making up these weird different worlds. I remember specifically there was, like, a started out as, like, a classic, you know, third edition Dungeon Dragons adventure. But the players were investigating this shadowy organization called Black Cloud. And they basically got sucked into another dimension and they're, you know, I made up like all these different subsets of magic that was like, Oh, Hey, void arts and, you know, living flame and like Mm -hmm. digging into like insanity to like cast magic and all that kind of stuff. And so for me, a lot of the fun of dungeon dragons and just tabletop gaming came from, I think it being another outlet to just be creative and make up these unique worlds, you know? No, no, you don't know. No, sorry, I, I oh, was you're talking good. to me. Um, but uh, yeah, you know that's that's really where it started for me is making up those things. I mean, mm-hmm. hey, keep talking. One okay. second. To go a little bit more in depth, I specifically remember creating, you know, this these different organizations. Like, there's an interdimensional group called the Businessmen that used like uh super strong like briefcase weapons and they could like control time and none of it was really i mean i think if anything it was more based in like that kind of weird more serious version of like adventure time almost and mm-hmm. you know there was like a sentient gun i remember that would like you'd have to convince it to like shoot right and if you like were made friends with it it would like ricochet the bullets between different enemies and things would always just you know evolve and go from there and so yeah i mean i it's funny because like i think that's i spent a lot of time making up a lot of those rules and a lot of those magic systems magic systems especially i always really liked to do which is funny because like in video games i tend to not use Mm -hmm. magic that much unless it's like a main focus of the game yeah i'm trying to think of like one of the few games that you like you use a lot of mad magic in that i remember you using is like kingdom hearts and final fantasy X, and that's kind of like about it you know, not, neither of us really ever made magic characters like in any other games like Oblivion or Skyrim or anything like right. that. So, I mean, but like it, I do specifically remember like once we kind of got the framework from our dad um, about kind of like the basics of D&D, we would go in and be like, okay, well, you know, can we do this? And then also do this little thing here. And then Trey's like, well, I have this whole magic system, so, you know, that I'm working on or, you know, these, these like random like enemies that aren't in the guidebook and all that kind of stuff you know yeah. that would come up and be a thing and so definitely like a lot of our D experience was very um unorthodox yeah and not like by like by the book yeah you know like this is how you play it because i will say 
sitting down and like playing D&D exactly how it's supposed to be played, I don't I'm not a huge fan of. I kind of like a bit of the homebrew, you know, to D&D. That's that right. you can do. And you know that's something I did want to get into like Jack, you have always even doing the homebrewed stuff like we have it's kind of you know taking place more in Discord and stuff now and like virtual sessions, but like you know, I have like a D&D group now that we were like in the last ends of our campaign. And you joined in for a little while, but you never seem to be that interested. And I've always been curious about to why. Like, is it like an attention thing to where you're like, man, I could be doing something mm-hmm. better or like this is just kind of boring. But yeah, I, I've been curious about like well, why. So it's never, yeah, it's not that it's ever like boring or anything like that or that I could be doing something better. I just, I don't, so there's, there's a part of me, like I obviously want to get it properly diagnosed but i do think i have some kind of level of adhd and if if me focusing on one thing for longer than like a certain amount of time is really really difficult and so whenever i'm like playing a game i'm always listening to something or having something else going right. on or you know oh i'm on a loading screen okay well i'm gonna hop on my phone real quick while i'm still listening to something or watching something right. um you know i just like keeping myself preoccupied mm-hmm. and when I have to like really focus on something, there are times when I can, obviously, yeah. but there are some days where I'm like, I, I don't want to sit down for an hour and a half and do yeah. this, you know? And it's not that I'm like, oh, cause it's boring. It's just cause like, I don't want to do this one thing mm. for an hour and a half. It's like, it, it's just, it's just difficult for me to be still. I mean, you, you know, yeah. like when we, you know, when I come over and we play, I'd be like moving around <laughs> the entire time yeah. just being like. You know, adjusting my seat, you know, sitting, sitting on my feet, sitting back down normally, get up, <laughs> you know, I, I'll go grab a cup of coffee, I'll get some water, um, you know, or like I, I just, it's hard for me to be still. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I get that. I get that. Which sucks. Because like I, I really do enjoy playing D&D, especially like the versions of it that, you know, our family does, mainly like yeah. you do. And. You know, sometimes I'm like, I just want to concentrate and focus on this, but it's right. It's just hard, you know, for me. I think it is also important to note that kind of as you said, we did do a lot of homebrew stuff and I've never gone to like a gaming shop and joined like a random group or played with like a huge amount of people. Like, I think the most people I've had is maybe like six, uh, six players, you mm-hmm. know, including myself. Um. So it's, it is interesting that I never really experienced, I guess, like the, the mainstream of D&D, you know, I see all these things about like toxic players and like toxic DMs. And it's so interesting to me because I've never experienced that. And it wasn't until college to when I like joined or like joined like a, you know, what who had eventually become my roommate, like joined their like gaming sessions that like I was like okay so these are like different people and these are how different people play because I was so used to how we played you know yeah that being said though I mean I would say like the prime time of me really falling in love and gaming and like still keeping it going to this day was because I played it so much in college I mean we would have sessions that started at like six o'clock and they'd go to like two o'clock in the morning and then I would like yeah, see that that's crazy. I would like go home bleary eyed, <laughs> sleep for like two hours, and then go to work. 
and go to class and <laughs> and do it all again. No, like and it's funny. I just want to before we dive into even deeper. Um, it's just like I feel like D and D. Maybe it's just because like we're now like more connected. Uh, but you know, when we were younger, it was kind of like you know, obviously it was popular. Like it, it was huge. You know, but like I feel like in the past five, maybe like seven years, it's like been it's been growing. Yeah, a lot. Like all my friends are like, "Hey, we have a D and D session. We have a D and D and D session." And I'm just like, mm-hmm. "Like, where? Why didn't we do this? Like when we were like in high school and stuff like that. Like when we actually like, spend spent time together. Now like we're all off like living on our yeah. own. You know, and it's hard to get together. I'm like, especially with the pandemic. Where is the interest? Too. But you know, yeah, I yeah. think you know, I think yeah. a lot of that had to do with especially because it's you know the most popular one is the Dungeon cool and Dragons. And third edition was really popular. And I know that like, you know, they had what 3.5 and then fourth edition. And I think fourth edition kind of fell out of popularity. And it's been with the fifth edition recently that it's kind of jumped back into the, okay, it was the like nerd culture. Yeah. And that's what was bad about the fourth edition. Do you I know? I think it was just very. And okay. So anybody who does know and is like, oh, you're getting it wrong and loves fourth edition. That's fine. This is just what I've heard. I've heard it was very like more numbers based, very grid based, like kind of depended on figurines and very mm. more tactical. So some of that sounds fun, but you know, I've never actually mm. even seen the rule book for it. So I can't really speak yeah. to that. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 But Jack, unless you have something to add to this kind of in between time before I jump into the uh, college gaming days, do you, any, do you have anything to add? Do you have anything to throw in to the ring you know i'm trying to think about anything to throw into the ring to feed the beast and uh nothing's really coming to mind i mean other than like i'm just curious as to like do you before you Uh jump in like are you more of a dm guy like dungeon master or are you more of a player like which one do you prefer so i i usually find myself when we would do our games being in the role of dm and kind of telling the story mm-hmm. mainly because I do think that's where a lot of my talent lies. And I'm just really good at that. Um, you know, coming up with things on the spot or making things interesting or like building up tension. I really like doing that. That being said, like I am currently, you know, DMing the last camp, like the last part of the campaign that I'm doing now. And I'm like, man, I, I really want to be a player again. And it's funny because throughout most of college, I was a player. And so I, I really like being both. Like I like, yeah, I like being, <laughs> I like being on both sides, really. Mm-hmm. So to jump. Cool. I was just, no, I was yeah, just That's a great question. To jump into it. I first got involved with gaming. I believe with my second roommate in college. And a couple of his friends. And the first game we played was the Star Wars RPG game. I am not that well versed in like Star Wars lore or history. As some out there are. Um, But I remember I played a... Like a... I think he was like a stormtrooper sniper. Who ran away from that life. And he was like... And since I didn't really know the people, he was very like lone wolf, quiet, kind of just because I didn't know these people either. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we played that and it was all about, 
I don't think that one ever really finished. That was kind of just like this introduction. And, you know, for me, what I specifically remember is that it was the first time I played a game where there was this, I don't know what exactly the situation was, but I was wanting to knock out this guy and I snuck up behind him and I wanted to hit him. And so I rolled to hit him, like to just knock him out. And then my roommate at the time who was DMing was like, okay, you hit him for eight damage. And he turns around and he's like, ow, why did you do that? And I was like, oh, I wanted to stun him. And he's like, oh, you can't stun people in this game. And I was like, what? Like, why Why did you let me just go up and hit him then? And he's like, well, those are the rules. And so that was the first time, like, where we oh. really, <laughs> really, like, I had a lot to where I learned that there's this other side of tabletop gaming that is gaming the rules to get what you want versus gaming as a story or gaming as a character to get what you want. I was always used to like gaming as like a story or the character. You know what I mean? Like if a character wants to do this and they technically can't, I will usually try to find a way that they can do it because I don't think it's fun to just let people mess up. Like, you know, I like having people mess up to their own volition but not mess up in a way that where they're like confused about what's happening you know what i mean <laughs> so. yeah it's like it's like you have like a stealth character like okay i'm gonna go behind this guy you know and you know strangle him or like snuff him out whatever okay yeah, it's like you know grants it's like yeah you, you can do that like that's your yeah. character then like that being then like oh like my heart my half is gonna go up quietly and try to knock this guy out stealthily well you can, but you got to roll for it because your character's not really meant for it. So you can try, right. but, you know, rather than just being like, no, you can't. Like, you have no option right. to do that. That's always been kind of like the stickler yeah. for me where I'm like, just be a little less by the books and have it be more fun and engaging. I mean, maybe to some people the other way is more fun and engaging. But for me, it's more fun when I can be like, you, know, you can bend things a little bit, but not so much to where like, you know it's always going to go your way because it's, it's obviously right. not. So, I mean, and it's funny because that was also the time where, you know, a bunch of crazy stories came out. Like we, one of the other players, he played, uh, I guess it's kind of funny now. Cause I had no idea what to even picture when it, this first came out, but like he played a Mandalorian. So in Mandalorian is like a huge show on Disney plus now. And he used to like fly around in his armor and like attract all of this negative attention. And I think at one point his armor got stolen and they're like, these people are like, hey, come aboard our ship and we'll give it back. And he just like walked up and just walked straight into this trap. He got like thrown in prison for like jetpacking around a spaceport. Like, you know, a bunch of stuff like that where it was fun. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. not fun to play. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that was the first our first kind of like foray into or my first foray into like, you know, gaming with a different group. And it's great because that's Mm -hmm. also the group where I learned about the fate system, which is a very, it's like a loose set of rules. It's kind of like GURPS, which is based on or it's fallout based like their special system on, but it's kind of like, Oh, Hey, it's not setting. It's not like, you know, uh, tied to any setting. You can kind of use fate in any setting, like futuristic, fantasy sci-fi um mm-hmm. and one of the games that i actually ran is i ran a fate game with my own magic system based on this island that all the players went to and it was all about like uncovering what their magic could do because it was newly awakened in them 
on the island. And it was all more following this epic story. Mm. And what's funny is one of the players uh, didn't really seem to get it. And he was very quiet throughout like the whole adventure. Like he didn't really oh. engage. And I always felt really bad because I felt like he wasn't having fun. But I think he was more of a rules person. Like he needed the rules. And with fate being a little bit more wishy-washy when it comes to like, I don't what. Little yeah, what you'll call instead of like crunchy rules where you can really dig into like, oh, hey, you can roll for this and this has this value and this has this value. Fate isn't like that. But I still very fondly remember that because it was I had basically written this uh, Bible of rules that was like, OK, the magic cannot do this. It cannot do that. This is possible. And then, I mean, thanks to my roommate who was playing it, but he really took the magic and ran with it and like experimented with it. And I'd always be like, well, he'd be like, well, can I bridge into somebody else's mind using this? And I'm like, I mean, there's no reason why you couldn't. And I'm like, it's dangerous, but you can do that. And so he tried to do it and he like ended up, you know, driving another character kind of insane. Cause he like broke into his own mind or his mind. And, uh, you know, there's a character, there's like a super like, infectious like type of bug that one of the players caught in this jar <laughs> he just had it mm. <laughs> and everybody was like and he kept it's- this guy kept <laughs> winning he's like i really want to open the jar and like examine the bug and they're like no don't do it and i was kind of like are you gonna do it <laughs> <laughs> i, I want to open this and examine this bug. right just just I yeah just really do and that one was fun you know that Why? was a very me game like they had lots of cool boss fights uh, lots of cool encounters very story heavy you know and then at some point we played Shadowrun and Jack have you heard about Shadowrun at all I mean I know you've heard about it from me I have heard of it I don't know okay. much of it I haven't heard of it though. all right so picture like I don't know the recently released game Cyberpunk 2077 okay So futuristic, Mm -hmm. neon, you know, kind of dystopian. Now, just take Dungeons and Dragons, that like epic fantasy, so dragons, orcs, elves, and just mash them together to where you have like cybernetic elves. You have halflings who are like technomancers. You know, you have dragons. I think there's a dragon who's actually the president in like the Shadowrun, like the lore of Shadowrun. Um yeah, and that's kind of what Shadowrun is. And man, even though Shadowrun, I think, is a little too crunchy with when it comes to numbers, because it basically whatever your skill yeah. is, you have this big base of like six sided dice, like dice to roll. Anyways, not to get too much into the rules, but that one was incredibly fun because it's all about not necessarily a epic story, but missions. And like the runs of Shadowrun, because you're kind of running in like that dark, you know, the the underground, the underbelly of the world. And so you're going on these like missions and you're gaining money. And I specifically had this elf character who's like a cybernetic elf, like Ronin samurai guy who could he had this like optical camouflage. And I could literally and that's one of those where cool. okay, I did like start to learn that I could bend the rules 
and I literally would just go around invisible and just be murdering people because Shadowrun is very lethal. Like if you if you get shot at or if you slice somebody with, you know, I had like a ceramic, like a super, I don't know, really cool like ceramic sword. Um, you can like instantly kill people. And so mm. it's, you know, if you're skilled enough, like if there's a skilled enough sniper, you can just drop people like players, enemies. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And that was really good. And then, you know, I think what I also have to mention about Shadowrun is the character creation. So we used like a program that was like a virtual, like on our laptops. And you would get, Mm -hmm. you could get like points to put into your character by giving your character negative qualities. So you could be like, oh, hey, my character is like a minor addict. And that would give you like plus four points to put into something positive. Ooh, that reminds me of the way that you create a character in Project Zombie. Right. It was a lot like that to where it's like, oh, hey, if your character has more negatives, you can also have more positives. But of course, you also have to deal with the negatives. And I really like that. Like, I like that a lot. Like, I like having these inbuilt character flaws. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, the way that specific adventure ended was that one of the characters, he had this, I think, I don't remember what it was called. I think it was called like a Judas contract, like a chip in his head. That basically he was, he could operate like normal, but then at some undetermined time, like the person who put that chip in his head would activate him and he would turn against us. And the campaign actually ended to where I as a player knew it was happening, but I was like, my character wouldn't know. And this guy turned against us and he literally just like machined us down, like machine gunned us down. This whole arcology that we were in collapsed as we were like just about to get to the bottom of this mystery. He like all the players who escaped, he just hunted down and killed them. And that was how that campaign ended. And I was like, I mean, I was sad because I'm die, but that's, that's pretty cool. Like, <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? The bad guys always win. But yeah, I mean, so just for me talking about it, Jack, that, would so you cool. ever want to play Shadowrun? Like if I was like, Hey Jack, let's play Shadowrun. Would you be like, yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, pitch, pitching that sound like yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. Like that, that pitch sounds very uh, appealing mm-hmm. to me, honestly, because it sounds like, especially just like knowing like you as like kind of like the, the master of the, of the run, you know, I feel like you would also just be really good at being like, oh yeah, you know, not only to shout around that you kind of do this, but you know, there's a bit of a fate system in here and also my own little, my own little mix, you know, my yeah. own little cocktail of things that I've kind of procured and put together. Yeah. So I think... Well, and what I really like about, you know, system like uh, different tabletop systems that have a lot more rules is that, and Dungeon Dragons to an extent has some of this, but uh, so our, the DM, so my roommate, and I'll just go ahead and name him because I, I keep it, feel like it's people are going to get confused. Uh, his name was Sean. Sean was DMing it and he often like, he also played a character as well as like DMing. So he liked to have a lot of downtime to where we were prepping for a mission. And what's cool about Shadowrun is it has all these inbuilt rules for you to go and acquire illegal equipment. Like at one point we had to buy like incendiary grenades and stuff. And there was, Oh, Hey, I have this contact and it'll take this many days to do it. I mean, I think famously one Mm -hmm. of the more fun things we did is there was this club called Dante's Inferno that was (laughs) like started on the first floor and then went like 13 floors down and each floor got more exclusive and more like guarded by like bouncers and stuff. And we, 
just us as players made a game of trying to get all the way to the bottom <laughs> before we got kicked out. <laughs> and, you know, so like, I think that's what I, I do miss that aspect of it to where you have a lot of freedom as a player. And I, you know, for some people, when mm-hmm. you say, hey, okay, you have two weeks as a player and it's kind of a lull in the story and some players are like, well, I, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to sit here and not do anything. But for me, I always really like that because I could be like, okay, my guy is going to go get some enhancements to his cyborg arm. That's going to take four days. Uh-huh. I'm going to try to track down some better optical camouflage. I'll try to follow up on my own storyline. You know, basically treating it like, a, you know, you're doing a mission in this open world game and then you get to like more of an open world part, but it's all... I don't know. It's all pushed by you. And I really like that. But like with the group I have now, I don't think they would function that well if I was just like, okay, here you go. Do what you can do. You know, here are all the rules. Here's what you can interact with. If you have any questions, ask me. But for the next two hours, we're going to be just, you know, doing what you do want to do. Because they're more story-based. Like they like having that continuing epic story, you know, tense moments exploring beat by beat we're on we're doing something specific so yeah it's uh interesting yeah so i mean just as as a, as a side thought to all this this is kind of making me think of so i've been playing a lot of this game called escape from tarkov you yeah. know it's a it's a hardcore first person shooter and i'm just like you know how cool it'd be to kind of have like a a tabletop version of something yeah. similar to that where like you have like a prep phase and then you go on these basically mm-hmm. raids to find supplies to kill a certain you know like target or right. bounty or bring these things back from the raid or you know mark these certain things out there you know with like very like high stakes but high yeah. reward you know so you go out and if you're successful you come back get some money get some experience mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff you know like honestly that'd be fun now that like yeah. I'm thinking about it, I'm I'm about to put this all together after we're done with this podcast. No. Just something, yeah. And I'm because so, go ahead. Sorry, dude, I'm brewing. I'm brewing. It no, right and I'm now. telling you, home home yeah. brews an overused term in this podcast. No, I'm telling you, like a a system like Shadowrun that is super lethal and that has calculations mm-hmm. for shooting through concrete, that has calculations for adjusting for like wind and heat when you're like sniping from incredible distances. I mean, it would kind of work perfectly for Tarkov to be like, "Hey, okay, this is your prep fish. Your, this is your prep phase, and you have two weeks to, uh, you know, to obtain anything on the black market. And this mm-hmm. is how much resources you have. And so you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. This is the mission I'm going to go on. And then you're dropped into it, and it's like, okay, here we go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's very much yeah. based to where you know you like the character you have, but there's like a very high chance that somebody else you know, some random other character could see you and be like, hey, I like their stuff. I'm going to shoot them. Because you could do the exact same thing. So, yeah, that would be really mm-hmm. fun. That's kind of, I mean, that's why I like tabletop gaming is because all those possibilities exist. Yeah, you can, you can kind of like basically just mix everything that you've experienced that you've right. learned into kind of whatever mm-hmm. you want, you know. So, from... Shadowrun, we 
I believe we moved to kind of the opposite side of the spectrum. So there is a, another tabletop game called Vampire the Masquerade. Jack, have you heard of Vampire the Masquerade at all? I have, I have not heard of this okay. one at all. This one is definitely more of a role-playing conversation story one. And it all involves you creating a character and your character creation involves you turning to a vampire. And there are, like, instead of having, like, character classes and races, there are different um, groups of vampires. So there's, like, and forgive me if I'm butchering the, the names, but there's, like, the Malkavian vampires, which are kind of the crazy... We'll insane vampires and each of these vampires groups have different um like subcategories of powers that they have there's like the voltaire who are vampires that kind of masquerade in the human world and they have powers of like persuasion and dominance and they build up followings by mm-hmm. being like the ceo of a company and then you have kind of like the Nosferatu vampires, which are like the horribly disfigured vampires that live in sewers and have, you know, they deal a lot in like, you know, backwater like organizations and stuff. And what kind of the cardinal rule of it is that this, the vampires all abide by this thing called the masquerade, which is you cannot reveal, you know, vampire society to humans. Like that is, if you break that rule, then, you know, some old generation vampires are going to come get you. And what's cool about it is that like these old generation vampires date all the way back to like biblical times. And like the older a vampire is, the more powerful they are. And so there's kind of this unspoken thing that like, hey, even though you're trying to accomplish your own means and own goals, really you're working for a bigger group and somebody else is pulling your strings very like game of thrones esque with like the politics and the talking Mm -hmm. and different families kind of vying for power and dominance um that's what vampire is all about and i have a couple stories that i'd like to talk about specifically for a vampire because we had we never finished the game like the campaign but we had a lot of really great moments so if you have anything to add before i kind of jump into the stories Go right ahead. Um, not really. I've like I really haven't really ever heard of Vampire the Masquerade okay. at all, so I don't really have much to to add. To gotcha. This, sadly, <laughs> so I created a character. <laughs> this is again being run by Sean. I created a character who was part of the Voltaire group, so kind of the. Um, the vampire, like the other mm-hmm. vampire groups, kind of called them the Blue Bloods because they interact a lot with humans and kind of I'm live in the human world. Oh, okay. And my guy was a, I don't, I think he was a professor, and I think his name was Rose, and he like got changed into a vampire. And his whole goal, very much like a little finger from Game of Thrones, was to just climb the ladder. You know, like Sansa, climb the ladder. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and at some point, I ended up creating a different character named Dominic, who was part of the Malkavian group. And the Malkavian group are known for having like these intense visions that kind of push them toward accomplishing certain goals by like their older vampires who kind of sleep and like stupor because they don't have any blood and they're just waiting for like, I don't know, the second apocalypse of, you know, vampire kind. 
And what was cool about it is that Dominic was really obsessed with finding, you know, tracing back the history and going back to the Book of Nod, which is because the, the lore of vampire is that, you know, the story of Cain and Abel. Well, uh, when Cain killed Abel, he was marked and he was cursed by God and he was the first vampire because that's what the curse was. And so he was obsessed with like going back into the lore and we have this whole story to where Dominic would fake kill my other character and we tricked this other character into like fake killing my guy and my guy like used like his persu- uh, his persuasion and his dominance to like, you know, persuasion. Persuasion to uh, persuade this other guy named Isaac into like killing or to, you know, quotes and quotes, killing my guy and like locking him in a crypt. And uh, that one was just really fun because it was a lot of fun like i don't know role-playing moments where you're playing like a crazy vampire or you're having these like intense conversations yeah that one sounds like it's i mean obviously there's some structure to it but it sounds like it's very much like play like the story is so like player driven yes. and it says being like this is what happens next and you're more just kind of like i'm doing all this what happens to the world or the people I'm around after I do this? Okay, well then, okay, I'm going to continue doing this, or I'm going to branch off and mm-hmm. do this, or... I mean, so, I mean honestly, it's, it sounds pretty cool. That one is cool. And uh, what was the... The Voltarian? Yeah, I think vampires? it's a Voltaire. Yeah. Yeah? Voltaire? That Those sound like the vampires that we kind of think of as vampires. Right. You know, they're, they kind of live among humans. Yeah. They're, you know very like attractive or they try to climb like you know corporate ladders you know they're kind of these ones that want to rule but not like you know like like overlord mm-hmm. rule just kind of like they want to have control so like that's it, it's cool i like how there's a bit of a bit yeah. of everything in that so and so then cool from there cool, cool played some pathfinder which is kind of like a different version of dungeon and dragons I, i've heard of this one you show me this one i I don't remember a lot from Pathfinder because I think at that point, you know, our group was kind of like not falling apart, but like we're just getting busy with other things. But a memorable moment from that is that the character or the player Isaac grabbed my gnome character. And I don't know if he just didn't like my character. Like, I don't remember the circumstances to why this happened. But at some point we'd been fighting something in this forest and we had cast like a fireball. And so the forest was on fire and then Isaac grabbed my gnome character like a football and like went running through the fire to like steal me away. And he, <laughs> I think I managed to escape, but he kept trying to run through the fire. And Sean was like, the fire is going to burn you alive. And Isaac's like, no, I keep running. I keep running. <laughs> and he like burned to death in his armor and like was barely alive, like Anakin style in his burnt forest. <laughs> what the heck? What? <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. you know, a lot of a lot it's of moments funny. like that where you just had like, you know, the personality of the player like would really mm-hmm. like have these like great moments. And so then, you know, well, sorry. what was the I, real quick? What was that story? Like you were throwing a flat. Was it a maybe a it was shadow like you threw a flashbang <laughs> like inside of a yeah. car. And like because the way like, the flashbang works in the game, it just yeah. like deafened and like blew out these people's earbuds <laughs> or horrible. their eardrums yeah. all that kind of stuff you know and they're just like ah! yeah again <laughs> i don't remember the exact situation but 
our targets or these guys we went into question were in like hiding out in this van and i snuck up to the van because you know i'm this cloaked invisible samurai and i'm like well we don't want to kill him i'm so like let me throw a flashbang through the window and so i throw the window and this is again one of those moments where i really appreciate sean's like you know game master style because he was like are you sure you want to do that i'm like yeah you know it'll it'll deafen him we can capture him and then we'll move on and then uh throw the flashbang in and he's like well with the way the flashbangs work it actually like (laughs) reflects and vibrates off the walls of the van multiple times so in essence these people (laughs) get hit by the flashbang like eight times (laughs) and it, it like killed one of them blew out their eardrums like they were blind and deaf they couldn't hear so they were just entirely useless yeah <laughs> entirely useless to us yeah what just real quick keep it going i gotta help out there real quick i mean got so many good stories we had one very successful shadow run like mission again involving my samurai where we had to infiltrate this compound and we just got I believe like these caustic guy and all this is just sounds like a war crime, but we got these like caustic gas grenades and these launchers and we just systematically like destroyed this compound of people and then like kind of went among the rubble to get what we needed. And I got talking about it really makes me miss it. And then again, you know, there are a lot of moments in those games where I would be sitting back while nothing would really be happening you know, six, eight hours of these sessions, but still kind of just enjoying. I think I would have enjoyed it more if I didn't have the responsibility of work because a lot of the people I played with were just in school. And so, you know, I, I would always be like, well, I enjoy playing these long sessions that go to two o'clock in the morning, but I have to be at work at like five. And so why, why do I want to keep hanging out and doing that? I don't believe we played any other systems than that a quick shout out i got introduced to fate from a book i think it was called diaspora that used the fate system to do kind of like a very hard science fiction um, exploration type game oh i can actually see the book on my shelf yeah it's called diaspora recommend checking that out i also really i'm back okay sorry about that really recommend fate i think fate is a great system but, uh, you know, I think, Jack, unless you have anything to add, we'll kind of like round it out with the D&D game that I'm running now and, you know, the one that's freshest in my mind. Yeah, so I think, um, I'm sorry, real quick, Ellie, Ellie was Are talking to me again. Uh, what was the question? Well, do you have any other questions for me before I kind of jump into like the most recent campaign I've been doing? Oh, no, I'm just wondering when I can start asking my questions. Yeah, that's what I said. Do you have any questions for me? I mean, like, so... Go for it. All, all my questions? Go ahead. Ask all the questions. Okay. I was... Because this first one's about your current active campaign. Mm. <clears throat> Currently, you have an active D&D campaign. How did 2020, more so, COVID, mm. affect it? Wow. Wow. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, uh... It didn't really affect it too much until probably four or five, six months ago, because we still kind of kept meeting before it got really bad. And then just as, you know, more outbreaks started to happen closer to home, we really were like, we can't keep meeting. I mean, unfortunately, 
which really kind of put a damper on the campaign because yeah. I think before that we've been playing for like a solid year. Like this is definitely the most consistent campaign I've yeah. had, and COVID did kind of ruin that. So, mm-hmm. interesting, interesting. Another question. <clears throat> um, did you incorporate variant elements into your D and D campaign? The one I'm doing now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, as much as I love the Dungeon Dragons rules, I also love including my own stuff, and so it involves like a different set of like uh, deities or deities. Jack, we're just talking about that. I actually don't know what the correct pronunciation is, but different uh, deities and different like timelines and different magic. Like I believe there's like mm-hmm. a cosmic magic that I've created. It's uh not nothing that like the player can really access, but there are especially enemies that use this magic. And so it's all about them kind of learning how the magic works. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I would say a lot of especially like artifacts and story stuff. Yeah, I I really pull from like anything and everything to like make up something interesting. So Mhm. Hmm, interesting. And another question. <laughs> Yes, go ahead. Which like if you if you if you had to choose like one system, yeah. um, which one would you go for? Like most often, if you had to choose, just I one? would choose. One hundred percent, I would choose fate. I really like fate a lot. I like how flexible it is, and I like how it's opened. It's open to kind of like modular uh, systems that you can add in because fate on its own is very much a storytelling device to make the players feel epic. And as much as I like that, I also like having a very real sense of danger that other more concrete systems like D&D and Shadowrun have. And so, but fate allows you to very easily tweak rules or tweak systems to do that. And like add in, add in your own dangers and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, cause I figured like, I, the only problem with fate is that since it is so freeform, players tend to have trouble unless they're really invested and put some time into like being like what can we do uh players have really struggle with fate and the way it works so yeah i feel like fate is one of the more i feel like the way your campaigns usually run is they're very D mm-hmm. based to kind of help players along but with a lot of fate inspired systems yeah correct. and or like your own kind of things to kind of basically because like like i've said you know, earlier in the in the podcast, um, I think like D and D by the books um, is very strict, and for someone like me, I'm not a huge fan of that because I feel like it kind of restricts like my enjoyment of the game because it's like, well, I like to at least try this, but I just can't because apparently I just, you know, yeah, you you just can't, yeah. Like it's like, oh, I'm gonna talk to this guy and try to get some information. Well, you can't. <laughs> like, well. I can't. Can I try? No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know. Um, do you think that like any of these different versions of these tabletop games are better than D and D? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's funny because I think a lot of it comes down to kind of the mood you're in. Very much like selecting a video game to play. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you feel like playing Minecraft, and other times you feel like playing Dark Souls. Um, so it's all about 
kind of that mood you're in. And I think really choosing. So, yeah, I mean, to answer the question, no, I don't think there's anything that are better than D&D. I think there are definitely systems that are more flexible than D&D and allow you to do more. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to what system is going, what works best for you and your group. I mean, if D&D works best and allows you to tell the best stories, then play D&D and then homebrew the stuff that you want to add in. You know, I'm... Yeah, you kind of, you slowly kind of create your own mix as you Yeah, play. because I think the one thing with homebrewing stuff is that you always want to keep it obtainable and you never want to like spring a surprise on a player. So you never want to be like, oh, hey, this boss you're fighting, well, he has a second. Has yeah, a gun. Right, you know what I mean? Like you always want to keep it kind of thematically based and introduce things slowly. Like don't yeah. be afraid to like start something small. Be like, oh, hey, these random guy these goblins that are killing her seeming to use an unknown magic and then you come across the person who gave them this unknown magic and this person can do crazy things you know i oftentimes will take things i like yeah. about D and then alter it so it has kind of its dna based in the rules originally and then you can kind of change it so interesting uh my last question this one will be a bit of a lengthy one so you can Keep it short and sweet if you want. Um, I know we've talked about it, but do you want to make your own variant of Mm. like your own tabletop variant? And like, if so, like what would define it from all these other tabletop games? That's a good one. It's a good one. Short answer. Yeah. Like I do the best. Like I I do. (laughs) I do want to make my own. I mean, that's been something I've wanted to do for a long time. Uh, the only the current one I have is it's called Void Arts and it's based again off fate, mm-hmm. but it's more rules based like Dungeon and Dragons to where you can, you know, refer to certain builds. But the big difference is in the magic. I as much as I like having lists of spells and goals to look forward to, I also really like the uh kind of the organic flow and kind of wildness of magic. And so like our like our brother Henry is really into this where say you have fire magic and as a character you learn and grow and try different things and that kind of shapes the way you use magic. So kind of creating a very flexible uh you know tech tree that you can kind of create your own goals and your own like controls and then grow in that, that would be like the main difference, I think, because as cool as it is to be like, Oh, Hey, at level 16, I'm going to get this spell and this spell. And I have this many spell slots. I also like kind of that wildness and unpredictability with magic to where it's like, Oh, Hey, I really want to try to like hurt all of these guys, but there's a big chance I'm going to like burn my own arms or I'm going to like burn my friends. Like I really like that. Yeah, or I'm going to, like, knock myself out because, right. like, it's too much or, you know, like, yeah. So that's definitely what I would, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I like that because it makes me, like, you all right there, really? <laughs> like, you're just coughing. Um, it makes me think of, like, if someone's, like, using, like, flame magic at some point, if someone's, like, running away, they're, like, I can't, can I use, like a, like, a flame whip or something? And you're, like, you right. can try. Like, you know, you've never done it, but you can yeah. try. So it, it could either go you know, very well or very poorly, just depending on, 
you know, either how much they've used their magic or like the variations they've done with their magic, you know, that like it's cool. Yeah. I like that. And then I think everyone else. And then finding uh, just differences with melee combat. I I really like the combat in D&D. But the problem is, is that combat does take so long and it does take a while. Sometimes, like, I think it works when you're fighting, like, a boss character. Like, in the most recent campaign, when the players finally came up against this mind flayer called Red Hook, and they had this, like, epic confrontation with him in his dungeon where he, like, summoned shadow clones of himself and, like, pulled them all into this mental world of this artifact he was using. You know, when the combat is slowed down in that instance... I think it works really great because you have a lot of time to absorb. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, the danger and the intensity. But when there's like not a lot of danger and you're just fighting goblins, yeah, there are some things and situations that come up from having that. But I find that most of the time combat slows things down too much. So I've, and I don't know how I would do this, but I do want to have some kind of system to where you can maybe even like pre plan. Or pre-have like, oh, hey, I'm going to do these roles for this amount of time in combat and then kind of see how it plan- like plays out. Like, I'm going to plan to do all these things and then we're going to start the clock and see what actually happens based on what the enemy does. Almost kind of like a, mm-hmm. I don't know, like an RTS game to where it's like, oh, hey, I'm going to have these guys and these guys and these guys or these moves, this magic spell. I'm going to use this ability and I'm going to lock that all in, and then we're going to run the clock and see what happens. You know what I mean? And you can maybe have choice to, like, rearrange things or something like that, but that's kind of still in early stages of my planning. Mm, very cool. Very cool. Guys, you can buy Charlie's guidebook to what he's doing, Void Arts, for a cool... $100 million. $100. Well. A crisp $5 bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, before I round well. this up here, I do want to talk about the campaign I'm running now that we kind of hinted at. Yeah, I mean, if, if you want to talk about it a little bit, I know that I was uh, a small mm-hmm. part of it, and then I kind of, you know, slowly like uh, filtered out slowly just because I was I was busy and i was like i can't really come in on this day and uh, yeah i didn't want to slow things down so eventually i was like just continue without me because like you know so yeah i this one has been really fun and i've really liked how it's evolved because it started very simply with the players in this instance uh, we have michael one of our patrons hi michael playing a monk named singing wind we have tyler who's playing a barbarian named Lilybeard. we have henry who's playing a wizard named owen because you know and then we have uh lily who's playing a dragonborn rogue and uh <laughs> lily doesn't ever didn't have a name so her name is just no name so no name but it's no name <laughs> it kind of stuck I, I kind of uh, like yeah. But yeah, it just involved them going to this small town named Flumen because it was at the outskirts of the ruins of the seventh old empire that existed long ago. 
And it was all about like exploring these ruins, finding out what's going on. I mean, so many like small scale encounters with goblins, with just weird townspeople. And you kind of have this looming threat of the new empire, the eighth empire that's led by the Mm -hmm. crafted god Akvo. And what's interesting about the eighth empire is that they're basically a race of elves. And I kind of wanted to put elves as being the, uh, the evil people and like the aggressors, like they have like control over magic, like no one else can use magic. And their whole thing is like, they believe in like light and brilliance and like, so places they don't like, they just like purge into like nothing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> cause everybody else mm-hmm. is kind of like writhing around in shadow. Um, then that one was fun. I mean, shadow. they found out that some goblins, like goblin groups were being controlled by this, kind of uh, mysterious entity called red hook which turned out to be the mind flayer turns out that the players are actually living in a dream world and after they defeated red hook they basically broke the world and the people that were in stuck inside of like out of the dream world and into the actual waking world wrap in more stuff about you have this group this evil group called the or the not evil but this antagonist group called the god seekers who have this unknown agenda and who are all very powerful. And this, you know, the story kind of changes for more classic D and D dungeon spunking to definitely more of like an anime style, like, Oh, Hey, there's these big bad guys that we mm-hmm. need to beat. And, you know, but still they had a uh, more like dungeon dragon style where they went and explored this old tomb of this King named King ATM. And there's all these like automatons that he crafted and he talks about like there's these old ruined bloody notes where apparently he like has sacrificed his friend to create the crafted gods that kind of control the world now. Epic fights on top of mountaintops (laughs) with like Jotunheim, the primal god Mm -hmm. of storms, who's like this huge giant. And they like fight him through dimensions with the help of the crafted gods. There was a really cool like anime inspired fight with between singing wind and his brother Vok to like Sasuke to their entire village. And so singing wind was like, man, I'm going <laughs> to, I hope that's a term Sasuke their entire village. Yeah. So yeah. Vok basically dude, he just totally Sasuke. Right. One. You know, a, a bunch of stuff like that. And just a bunch of good moments. I mean, good story moments just intense moments I, i've had so much fun like writing this campaign doing these like epic like read-ups and write-ups before setting them to music and being like in the dawn of the new day the bleeding sun rises you know like stuff like that and having epic music mm-hmm. and and we're kind of in the final chapter of that where they're fighting against the yeah. final god seeker and kind of trying at the same time to topple the eighth empire and so you know it's been so fun and I hope I hope that we we're kind of like wrapping up and prepping for like the war that's coming. So we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I mean it's really cool like how much work you put into like these these stories and these campaigns. You like you, you need the setting and all that kind of stuff and it, it's really cool. And a lot of uh like some of the intros you do for uh, the podcast or just some of the things you make, you know, are very like reminiscent of the way you can open these campaigns, yeah. like very kind of cool, cinematic, very, you know, you like in the moment kind of settings. Mm-hmm. It's, it's cool. It's very cool to see. I feel like I don't 
see or hear much of it. Yeah. So you no, know, it's been yeah, it's been really fun to do. You're getting some unique stuff here, guys. Some unique stuff. It's been really fun. Well, Jack, I think that's all I have for our dive into tabletop gaming. I I know I talked a yeah, lot. I so mean, I feel like I didn't um, bother you too much, but no, not at all. I mean, I definitely need to find a topic that I'm super versed in at some point to uh, that we can deep dive into. So we'll have to do that one soon. Maybe um. Maybe with jobs or something. So I, I feel like I've worked a lot more jobs. Than yeah, you I've kind of been. I kind of like had a very consistent like job line. We'll have to wait and see. see. Well, Jack, do you want to go ahead and round us out here? End this chapter two, episode seven to. of the Raconteur Collection, hosted by Jack and Charlie Brothers. Raconteur Collection Brothers. Am I? Am yeah, I? No, I said, go, I said go ahead and round us out, man. <laughs> Yeah, just round it. So, the Raconteur Collection is brought to you by two brothers, Jack and Charlie, wonderful hosts, and we have many accolades. <laughs> Not really. Not yet. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can also email us at raconteurcollection at gmail.com. You can listen to us, obviously, here on Spotify. You can YouTube's coming up, on also on Apple iTunes, App, Apple iTunes their podcast section also we have a patreon with a few new tiers and some new rewards mm-hmm. coming up um charlie's done a fantastic job over there so check that out would really appreciate that again if you guys ever want to suggest topics or suggestions just message us instagram twitter wherever you know we'll see it you know we're small enough to where we're gonna see everything we see uh-huh. everything so and with that I think we're good. The music is fading in. We're being taken away into the town. We are fading out. (laughs) We've done this every single time. Bye. (laughs) We have to do this every time. Bye. Bye. Bye.